Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. A lot of people would say that tonight encompasses money for nothing. A lot of other people would say it is the best day on the calendar year. We're somewhere in between here on Nuanas now, but either way, happy NFL Draft Day. We will have full coverage of the NFL Draft throughout the next two hours right here on Nuanas now, as well as for the duration of the evening right after this show gets over. So the ESPN national broadcast of the NFL Draft Starts one hour before the actual draft begins. So our our coverage here will be local-based. This will be Montana-centric coverage of the NFL draft between 5 and 6 while the national broadcast is going. Then we'll kick it to the national broadcast right at 6, leading up to the first pick. I know there's not going to be much drama behind the first pick. Trevor Lawrence almost certainly going at number 1 to the Jacksonville Jaguars out of Clemson. But after that, it's going to get pretty crazy. And that's pretty much all we're going to talk about here today on Nuanas Now, with the exception of probably fitting in some Grizzly Cross and maybe a little high school track as well. Thanks so much to our great partners at SWX Montana Television for putting us around the great state of Montana each and every day. And thanks so much to ESPN Missoula for hosting Nuanas Now. If you want to listen anywhere besides 1029 ESPN Missoula or besides SWX Montana Television, Head on over to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. There you'll find the stream. If you want to give us a call or shoot us a text, you certainly can, 
3688. That's 361 3688. You can call or text that number at any time. Tucker Sargent, University of Montana lacrosse coach, is going to join me here for about the first half an hour. Then I have an uh, interview I recorded with my brother Brooks Nuanez. Uh, from earlier this week, but breaking down the NFL draft as well. He has some pretty good insights, some pretty good player comparisons as well. And uh, then we're going to talk a little Grizz soccer. Uh, off the top, the Grizz soccer team, they lost yesterday one to nothing in the first round of the uh, NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament. So fifth trip in school history, second in three years. Great run by that group of girls, but they lose one nothing to National Powerhouse South Carolina. Tough draw for them, but they fought valiantly. Claire Howard, particularly the goalie, was exceptional. So we'll give you a little bit more of a recap of that uh, right about 4.45 today. Also talk some uh, track and field. And then second hour, Kyle Sample going to come in the studio with us and preview the uh, NFL draft as well. And we also have Carolyn swinging by, the chick who doesn't know sports. So jam-packed day, a lot of great guests, and it's going to be a fun one. It's already hot in here. I forgot to turn on the air conditioning. Are you sweating? <laughs> I am, man. Well, you've, been, you've, been be pa- you've been packing and doing all this stuff. You've been getting ready for all sorts of things. It's been, it's been you know, it's a busy time of year of work professionally and then uh, the other gig where you're just trying to get all the other youth teams out there. So, yeah, a lot of packing, a lot of shipping, a lot of running around. But happy to be here with you, Coulter. Yeah, thanks so much for coming in, man. So you, I, I wanted to have you in because we are, what now, is it two weeks out from Nationals? What are the dates? One week. Of, so one week out yeah. from Nationals, but I'm going to be gone next week. So PSA, Me too. Yeah, <laughs> Tucker will be gone as well. So where are Nationals? Where are you guys headed? Uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. On the bus. On the bus. So what is that, like 20? About 20 hours. 20 hours? A little, little under. Okay, so these guys are road warriors. If you want to talk about traveling, how many bus hours do you think you got in so far this season, cumulatively? Oh, geez. Because you went to Fargo. You went to Fargo. Went to Fargo. That's 15? No, nah, it's every bit of 13, 13. so 26 there and back. You guys went to Boise, that's probably Boise, 9. Boise, that's 9, so then you had another 18. We did that twice, so you're at 36, so yeah. 72. Did you go south, Salt Lake? And we didn't do. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did a Salt Lake trip. It's all blended together. Now, I don't know. There's there's got to be a, there's got to be at least a hundred bus hours. They're probably clo- closing in on a hundred. Well, that that's awesome. But I'm going to be gone next week. I'll be out of town uh, all week. So no Nuanas now uh, next week. But Girls Lacrosse will be playing in the national championships, uh, national championship tournament, and so uh, we'll catch up with them when I get back as far as the results. But I wanted to get Tuck in here to talk a little bit about it. So uh, the last time you were in here, you guys were coming off a couple awesome wins in Fargo or North Dakota State. And uh, you guys have stayed high and continue to play and defeat good competition. So this last weekend, a pair of wins over UNLV. And now you guys are ranked number four in the country uh, in club lacrosse. So um, what's been building? How have you guys been able to continue to improve? You know, a lot of it has just been based on the fact that our kids understand what's going on and they're they're hungry and they see an opportunity. And I think, you know, once you, the, the whole thing for the year was just get through the season and see what happens. Right. And, you know, some teams started the season and then folded. And our whole thing was just like, we just got to get through it one game at a time, see what you can do. And, you know, we suffered uh, a, a very close early loss, like I said, the last time I was on the show. And I think that really benefited us uh, in the long run, where you get the monkey off your back, that, you know, you're not trying to preserve anything, that you're just going out there playing. And the, the fact that we played such a good game but then came up short helped guys understand that like what you have to do to get through an entire game. And and like I think every coach will say, I don't think we've played a complete game yet, but we've played a lot of good minutes of a 60-minute game. And so, you know, we've been able to just kind of string that together, one foot in front of the other. And now at the end of the season, you realize, you know, we're 9-1, and one, uh, and we're one of the top four teams left in the, in the country. Um, you know, there's definitely some windfall this year. It's it's not your typical national tournament. It's actually uh, 
it's basically that we looked around and, and the MCLA said, all right, well, these are the top four teams in the division. We're going to do an abbreviated version this year. So it's nice to get into that and then automatically be placed in a semifinal game. So uh, I think that has the guys very excited. Um, I think that this is a place we could have ended up anyway. Sure. Um, so this is an auto buy to the semis. This is a, a the, Th- this is huge. There, there are four teams. That's amazing. And <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's pretty simple. You just got to win two games to go on and we're we're going up against in our first game North Dakota State uh, a team that we've already beaten twice and I I have sort of mixed feelings on that uh, one because it's exciting to know this is a team that we've done well against sure and and can match up well against but also you know to beat a team three times in a row is very difficult uh, and especially when it's so recent too right like it, they have a, a very recent scout less than a month ago a very recent scout not a lot has changed for us um, and they're hungry. I mean, this is a team that I thought the first game that we played against them didn't play their best. They played much better in the second game against us, and we were actually down by two goals in the third quarter and then ripped off uh, seven unanswered goals to finish with a 12-7 victory um, and able to close that out, which makes me very excited. But again, this is a hungry team. It's a talented team, and Lord knows they've been uh, scouting and planning very hard for this one. It's really funny to think about because if you really want to lay it out broadly... I might actually be sitting in this chair because of University of Montana lacrosse. Because the I first met Tucker when you guys first started the lacrosse team. I was just working at the Cayman. I'm like we're like 19 or 20 years yep. old, and uh, my editor was, it was like it's in the spring. My editor is like, well, you know, you were the football guy. What do you want to do in the spring? And I was like, I just want to write features. And I was like, I want to write this feature about these guys that are starting this lacrosse team. So I went and interviewed you and Will Fryhofer and a couple of the other guys. Yep. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, 12 years later, you have a seat on this show and you tell our good buddy, Ryan Tuto, we should have this guy on the show. And then all of a sudden that turns in to this. So maybe I have all of my career success to thank <laughs> to the University of Montana lacrosse team. It's funny how the world works. Out. It is, right? But but here nor there, though, this team right now, a top four team in the country, uh, into the semifinals of the national tournament. Where does this team compare, or how is it how is it better, or just where does it compare to all? Because you've been involved in this thing since the very beginning. Yeah, it is. I, you know, I, I think this is we're, we're getting to the point where this is looking like a team that, uh, like the team we had when we won the national championship. Where, you know, I, I'd say the biggest difference is we're really getting to be. We've always had good players come through but now we're getting more and more smart players and we have a little bit more depth but really I just say the general IQ of the players and that's largely what separates you know good raw teams from good teams that are able to close out games and and having game awareness and understanding the situations and, and when to push it when to pull back managing the clock you know lacrosse is a game where yes from the sideline you can coach a, a, a good amount of it you have two timeouts a half where you can help manage you know maintain possessions and manage the clock to a degree. But a lot of it is owed to the players on the field uh, because they're the ones playing a lot like, you know, we, you know, especially like look at soccer, right? Like th- there's players out there playing the game. When I think when, you know, football, very much coach driven uh, basketball, sure. s- same sort of thing. I mean, the basketball, you're not calling plays the same sort of way. It's an up and down game, but you get about a billion timeouts. So the coach right. has a huge influence.
influence in For that sure. game. I would also say that basketball, uh, especially men's college basketball, is the most overcoached sport that exists. Agree, and that's one of the things I love about lacrosse. Like, right. you know, I, I you think don't our, get seven timeouts. Our, our job, <laughs> our job is during the weekday, right? Like, right. we we coach during the week, and then the, the weekends. That's the players, man. They're out there. They they've put in the work. We've worked with them, and then that that's where sort of we're tested as coaches. Is you know. Are the players executing? Sure. But it's really on the players. And I think that when we look at this team and why we have success, it, it all goes to the kids that have been out there grinding away, putting in the effort, and uh, understanding the game and, and just having that IQ. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Tucker Sargent joining me in studio. University of Montana lacrosse team next week. They head to the national championship tournament. One of four teams still left alive for that national championship. Do you feel like the the raise, raise in player IQ and, and sort of the aptitude for the game goes hand-in-hand hand with lacrosse becoming more prominent in this area? I mean, it's still not... It's Absolutely, still not, yeah. It's, I mean, it's just way more prominent than it was 15 so, years ago so when we it, were in school, right? right? But when we were in school, it was all East Coast guys, right. and it was very... We, we I were mean, you're just, an East Coast guy I, in origin I, point, I, right? Absolutely, yeah. and that's what the majority of our team was, and we were just fortunate that we all ended up in one place basically out of blind luck. <laughs> totally and, blind and, luck, right. And just came together <laughs> like, wow, there's, there's a bunch of good players here. Since then... Just the the way the University of Montana has been recruiting, it's been a lot more West Coast based, uh, and that's where we've seen the majority of our players come from, and that's where we put our recruiting efforts to, because it's just a lot easier to recruit a kid where the school is also, you know, you you double down on the school's efforts and where they're bringing kids in, and we've seen uh, an increase of the the level of talent over the years, and, and like I said, the the understanding of the IQ of the game, just because the, the sport in California, Oregon, Seattle. Utah, Colorado, it has become much more of a mature game. They've had these kids have been playing since they, you know, you know, they were seven years old. And so they really do have a full uh, breadth of knowledge of the game. So it's I would say sort of our, our, our dip and then in recent incline has a lot to do with what the youth lacrosse is doing is has been doing geographically. Didn't you guys win one, a national championship, when we were in school? We did, yeah, 2007. 2007. So that, that's, to this point, probably the greatest season in UM lacrosse history, right? I think if you're just looking at like how you finish, sure. Sure. Yeah. Would this team beat that team, or would that team beat this team? <laughs> Today, this team would kick well, the crap well, out of Right, not, not 35-year-old us. I'm talking like when we were 21, who's, who's winning? Because you guys I, I, were pretty good. It, it was a good team. You know, the game's on film, but it's also, you look back, like, my memories of it are much more fonder, and I looked a lot better. I have gone back and watched that Isn't game that a funny? number of times, and yeah. you, you, you look slower. You, you're not as clean as you thought you were. Yeah. Um, I would say this team, top to bottom, has better players. Well, that's awesome. So, then, you mentioned the opponent in North Dakota State. How do you get your team ready for this? I mean, you guys haven't really had a break. So, uh, first of all, talk about just the break. You have a little no, bit. No, not a break. And it's also been hard. I mean, this is yeah. the hardest, you know, w- w- just the way the schedule works out with the UM uh, calendar, too. This is finals week. So, and, Ooh, and this week is. This, this week so has been next, finals. So, week. they'll be done with finals this week when you guys hit the right. road. So, next this week. Has that's, been, that's better. It, a little bit better, but we also have to in- include two days of travel in there. So, the, you know, this is this has been, a, a you know, typically this would be a very important week of practice, but because of the schedule and obviously these kids are, you know, they're, they're students first, uh, and the way that just with COVID and everything, a lot of exams typically were during, during scheduled during normal class time are now in the evenings. Um, so practice, you know, we've been about half capacity for, of the roster for practice just because of the, how finals have 
played out. Uh, so most kids are done today. I'm hoping for we're, we've got a final practice of the week tonight, and I'm hoping for you know we should have the about a 95 percent roster there and get a good one in. And then we have two opportunities to practice Monday and Tuesday next week. So it's it's these next three days are going to be very very hard you know, important that we put hard work in and looking at what we did against North Dakota that had success. And basically, I mean, kind of trying to repeat that, which is a very difficult thing to do to get up and go for it again. And the message has been, you know, this is a hungry team. And I don't think you can understate how difficult it is to beat a team three times. And if you look back, North Dakota state won the, the national championship in 2018. And in that season, you know, same coach, same game plan, they lost to the number one team, Minnesota Duluth, twice. Mm-hmm. When you get to the national championship game, you know another semifinal game. Duluth was the overall favorite going into it. Mm-hmm. North Dakota State comes back and beats them a third time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is, I mean, North Dakota State has nothing to lose right now, sure. and they've got a lot of hunger and desire to rectify what has happened and and the embarrassment they suffered to us because they were the heavy favorites when we played them two two or three weeks ago. Sure, right. So the 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 big message is is there there is there's no taking your foot off the gas right now. I mean, we are in full sprint mode to the finish line. The most amazing thing is you could have cut that exact same soundbite that you just said about North Dakota State and apply it exactly to football right now if you were South Dakota State because that's exactly the situation North Dakota State is in in the FCS spring playoffs. But what's the other side of the bracket look like then? Minnesota Duluth and who? Missouri State and Missouri State, Missouri State, who who is one of the few teams, and I think Missouri State and us are one of the few that really got stronger during COVID. You know, it was, it's interesting, interesting how some teams kind of fell off, and other teams were able to just kind of come together. Why do you think that is? And improve. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with regional politics. Um, no question. Missouri State has been the team that has been able to play, and I guess the school that has been able to play in pretty much everything throughout this whole thing. Right, and so they, they were able to get a lot of kids that came back from other programs that weren't having traditional seasons, so they, they, they got a lot of transfers coming in, and so they sort of came out of nowhere this year, but they have a very strong roster, and then on the other side, the team that they're facing off against is St. Thomas University. Well, so it's not Minnesota Duluth, okay. So no, it's that, not. That, that Minnesota Duluth year, is not in it. Uh, they, they, they were ones that... Uh, uh, started a season and then sort of fell short. And a lot okay. of it had to do with school policies sure, and, sure, and having sure. to get through it. Uh, but St. Thomas is a six-time MCLA uh, national champion. So, th- I mean, their pedigree is very high. Um, a limited number of games this season, but this is a team that shows up every year and is a contender. So, I mean, the teams that are in it, they're, they're all for real. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Tucker Sargent from UM Lacrosse joining me here at studio. Uh Single game playoff, right? Single game playoff. So what's that dynamic like? Is it... We've been we've been talking Grizz soccer for the last couple of weeks because that's been the best thing going at the University of Montana. I mean, getting to the, getting to the national Absolutely. tournament. Absolutely. Yeah, they've been great. Um, but as Chris Chudovitsky said, first round of the NCAA soccer, women's soccer tournament is perhaps the tournament venue that's most ripe for upsets that there is possible because... You really can just stall and play defense, and if you have a good goalie, and just get it to 0-0 in the 75th minute and just hope you get a cross for a header. And unfortunately, Montana did exactly that, and then it was a cross for a header that, beat, that beat them. But it was, <laughs> right. I mean, it was one nothing that the Grizz largely controlled the match, and it was just one cross that beat them. But, I mean, what, what is the, the one-game dynamic like in lacrosse? You know, I think it, it, it soccer doesn't compare because you can control so much of the time. For where sure. lacrosse, there's a shot clock. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be much more of a track meet. Um, so, you know, 
the one game, I mean, this is just going to be about heart and desire. I think a lot more of sort of just kind of uh, a better analogy would be sort of uh, everyone's seen the Miracle on Ice movie, right? It's it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be the legs. It's going right. to be the ball possession. It's going to be who makes the, the fewer turnovers, you know, errant passes, picking up ground balls. It's going to be the, you know, the 50-50 battles, the team that comes out. And I think there's going to be, you know, it's going to be contested. So if you're if you're on top of those those 50-50 battles at 55%, that's where you want to be. I think it's going to be close, but the score is going to be high. Lacrosse is a game that's designed for a lot of scoring, so you, you don't have the ability to sit back. It's going to be a lot more about just keep pushing forward, and you're going to have to take some risks uh, in order to, to put the ball in the back of the net. So when do you guys head out then? Wednesday, 8 a.m. So, and the game is Friday? Game is Saturday. Saturday. So, so we're going to travel Wednesday, Thursday, and then we've, we get there. Split it up a little bit. And, we, you know, and then we got a day to just sort of get acclimated, get a, uh, get a team meeting in, watch some film again, again, maybe a short practice, just get kids moving the legs. But really, you know, it, they've worked so hard. Part of it is like you, they're going to be done with school and just enjoy the experience. So you have a day to just kind of soak it all in. Sure. You made it here. Have some fun. Walk you know, around the field. You walk around the it, field. Yeah. Get an idea, you know, of, of just the the – the weight of the moment or not, you know, maybe let the weight of the moment come off your shoulders, but just really take it in and enjoy it. It's going to be an awesome experience, man. We can't wait to catch up with you when we all get back into Montana, back into Missoula, but this should be super fun. Nuana is now Tucker Sargent, University of Montana head coach for the lacrosse team. They're headed to the national tournament. And already before, in the semifinal. Before we switch gears here, yeah. and there's a lot of NFL I'd like to talk with you oh, too. Of course. Uh, if anyone does want to watch the games, they will be streamed live on the Grizzly Cross website, which is grizzlax.com, G-R-I-Z-L-A-X.com. And then there's a tab there that says video. That's where the video will be. Love it. That'll be fun for everybody around here to monitor. Okay, so let's get to uh, the two things that we're really going to stir the pot with. Do you want to start with Aaron Rodgers or do you want to start with the New England Patriots? Because I think that each each one is equally as juicy. And I think they are, and I think they're they're probably going to be tied to each other at some point by the end of the day. Isn't that the truth? So here's where we're at. The NFL draft's night. We already told you that. The New England Patriots are sitting, uh, let me see, I have my draft 15th. order. 15th, that's right. I, I can't remember if it was 13th or 15th. They're, so they're sitting at 15th. But there's massive speculation that they want to make a move up. They could find trade partners as high as maybe the Miami Dolphins at six, certainly the Detroit Lions at seven, potentially the Denver Broncos at nine, maybe even the Philadelphia Eagles at 12. But I think if they want to get a guy, which and if that guy is a quarterback, then they're going to have to move up, uh, I think, into the top 10. I have heard a lot of speculation of Justin Fields from Ohio State being sort of the apple of Bill Belichick's eye. If somehow, somewhere, the first time in 20 years, the Patriots are bad, and then they somehow find a way to trade up into the top 10, and they get who I think is the second-best draft prospect in the entire draft, it's just going to be so quintessential Patriots, and it's also just going to drive me insane. Yeah, I've had a lot of people talk to me about this, and there's been many people complaining about the fact that New England... I mean, they've they've had a great offseason. They had an exceptional yeah. free agency. and First time I, they've I, really gone that route. They have, and they targeted a lot of holes that they needed to fill, and everything that they did was short of the quarterback position. Obviously, Cam Newton's still there, but I don't think there's anyone that's a Patriots fan or in the league that thinks that Cam Newton is really going to solve their answers. Yes, he's had a second year in the program, but I just don't think that his athleticism has declined and his accuracy and his arm is just not 
what it was. I mean, every, people say, are we going to see the 2015 Cam Newton? I don't think so. I think we have a game manager Cam Newton. I think we got a locker guy Cam Newton. And I think New England is happy with that, thinking that, that you know they have other ways to win a game. And if anyone can win a game or find other ways to win a game, it's it's the New England Patriots. But when you look at what they could do in the draft, I personally, I would be surprised. You I would be so? surprised if they, they move up and get aggressive. I so think, you don't think they're, they're going to end up with a new quarterback by the end of the night? I think they may end up with a new quarterback, but it might not be through the draft. I right. think that there's, there's a lot of other pieces out there. And I think that this is a position that they value so highly that to risk what is required for one of the top five quarterbacks in the draft, you know, especially like you said, Justin Fields, Mac Jones is another name that's been thrown out there a bunch. I think that that cost is very high. And I think that when you look at, you know, the, the, the overinflation of the value of the quarterback role yeah. uh, in the draft, it, it's, it's so steep and expensive. Right. And the likelihood, especially of, because if the guy does pan out as a draft pick, now you got to have to pay him like between 30 and $40 million. Right. And, and the teams that have deal. success, I mean, yeah. So you, you either get the guy, Right. And you you're able to be good right away and you're going to have to clear cap space to retain them. Right. Or you do what a lot of other teams that have had success with it in is like look at a Russell Wilson, a third round guy yeah. who you got on cheap money. Yep. And it took him a few years to get that big time contract. And so they had a number of years where they were successful. I think it it's 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 a it's a risk proposition i don't know if new england is comfortable with i think there's enough enough other stuff going on out there especially with the aaron rodgers talk right now and the link to jimmy garoppolo and the link to aaron rodgers back to the bay area i think right. that there's a three-way deal there that very much i mean so players think garoppolo more, might end back up in new england i don't know oh wow I don't I had, know. I had not heard this fold. I must. I must admit, I was only. So this, this is. I mean, obviously, I'm speaking all hypothetically here, oh, but I think. I mean, it's ESPN Radio. Right? <laughs> but I mean, just <laughs> Roger, Roger, Roger's obvious discontent and desire to get out of Green Bay. I mean, I think there's that's no, happening. That, that, there's no way he's staying uh, in Green it's Bay. It's as I told our our, our our the mutual person that we are stirring the pot with. Uh, that, they need a divorce. It's not one thing or the other. They just Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. They just need to be divorced. It, it, it's, it, it's nobody's fault. It, they just need to be divorced. It, it's done, and I think you know. The worst thing you can have is a, a discontented quarterback on your team, and especially I mean, especially him, him, and he's been that, and he and and, and he's malcontent when he's happy, right? And for all the talent that that he has, Green Bay has wildly underperformed for having one of the top three quarterbacks over the last decade on their roster. I mean, I think if you look at what they've done with Aaron Rodgers, it has been disappointing. No question, they, they, they've no question. He is, he is and, and he to me is the one to blame for it. I think there's a lot of different full things that go into it. I think that uh, I think that the 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 weather and the socioeconomic uh, and societal landscapes in Green Bay gives them a, a stark challenge. No, being a Green Bay is a disadvantage. But I'm saying Rodgers has not played and brought his team along the way he could. If Aaron Rodgers' career ended tomorrow. I think that it would resoundingly be agreed upon that it was a disappointment that he only made it to and played in and won one Super Bowl. Yes, he, he only made it to what? Only only two. And I'm not I'm not taking away from his, his talent or value no, or, no or question, his records. I mean, if you look at his QBR, I mean, he he has played the position better. Yep. But when you are that kind of guy, there's a certain amount of delivery that you need to... No, qu- well, no question. And things happen and circumstances happen or whatever. But if your Aaron Rodgers is good enough that he should be in the Brady realm, not necessarily of 10 Super Bowl appearances or seven rings, but he should be in the area of double-digit conference championship appearances. Yeah, I mean... Like, and I believe Rodgers has only been to three conference championships, and he's only won one conference championship, and he's only won one Super Bowl. So that in itself, uh, I totally agree. 
So this this is where it's going to be so fascinating because I do think that Aaron Rodgers is out. He obviously has the ties to the Bay Area. But then how does that influence tonight? Because the number one narrative of this draft for the last month has been which quarterback are the 49ers going to take? If the 49ers have a chance to trade for Aaron Rodgers, are they then going to take a quarterback? Some would say that would be smart. You can have Trey Lance or Mac Jones sit behind Aaron Rodgers for a couple years, a la how Rodgers did behind Favre. Others would say, though, the final straw for the divorce of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers was the drafting of Jordan Love, right? So do you really want to piss off a guy you don't even have in your in your ranks yet? Right, well, and then I think the other thing is, like, you know, so San Francisco made that move, and it wasn't known exactly what they were going to do with it because they still had Garoppolo For there. sure. But now they, they have a lot of asset. I mean, that third overall pick is very valuable. So right. they, they there's nothing saying they have to stay there at number sure. three. And a lot of people are or saying— Or maybe they draft who— Team X wants. They draft for the Patriots. Right, that's what I'm want. saying. So, yeah. So, I mean, they have the ability to kind of control their own own narrative and drive the price. I think a lot of people felt like their initial move sort of, they kind of got taken to the cleaners for that, or not cleaners, but they definitely paid a hefty, hefty price to move up to three. And so now are they thinking, okay, how do we regain some of that assets that we gave up? And by sitting there... And if you have, if you can have side conversations where you where you feel comfortable that you're gonna, you know, you could get an Aaron Rodgers in, you still got a Garoppolo. I mean, and a thir- and the third overall pick. That's a lot of assets to work with. It is indeed. So they, I don't think that they have to stay at one. They can, like you said, they could pick someone. They could trade it to someone else. I mean, I think they could recover quite a bit here. And again, this is all on the speculation that. San Francisco would be a landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. If it's not, they still have Garoppolo to work with and they could pull someone else in. But I don't think at the end of the day, Garoppolo is going to be in San Francisco. I think that's true as well. Imagine the way the arc of the history of the NFL could have changed over the last 15 years if the 49ers just took Aaron Rodgers back in 2005 instead of Alex Smith. (laughs) It could have been completely different. We could talk. They about would have this. had more Super Bowls. That's for sure. We could talk about this forever. We're going to continue to talk about this with a variety of different guests, but we got to get out right now. First and foremost, breaking news reported by SkylineSportsMT.com. That's me. Alicia Davis, the Big Sky Conference women's basketball MVP this last season as a, a sophomore from Northern Colorado into the NCAA transfer portal. I'll tell you, she's one of the most physically talented players I've ever seen in the Big Sky Conference. She could play just about anywhere in the country. Where will Alicia Davis end up? I don't know, but we will uh, circle back around to that. We got to get out right now, though, because we got Brooks Nuana as more NFL, dra- more NFL, excuse me, draft coverage. Right after this, keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual, but it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. It's an extravaganza here on Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana television, 
an hour and a half away from the NFL draft. We have full coverage here on ESPN Missoula. Well, time now to go to the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. More NFL draft coverage. We're really blowing it out for you this week. And keep it right here after Nuanas now is over because we are broadcasting the first round of the NFL draft in its duration tonight here on ESPN Radio in Missoula as well. But now we welcome in Brooks Nuanez, my business partner and brother, SkylineSportsMT.com, but also NFL draft aficionado. And Brooks, I know that we were uh, talking about this over the weekend when we were together in Bozeman, uh, but it seems like this year there's a lot of hype coming into this year's draft. Part of it's because it's quarterback heavy, but part of it is because sort of unpredictable the way the dominoes are going to fall. So uh, here in a little bit less than two hours, it's going to be pretty fun to follow this thing uh, across the spectrum as the NFL draft gets underway. Yeah, it's always one of my favorite things. I mean, it just encompasses all of what sports really mean. It's the stories, the backgrounds. You get a lot of personality and family history. You get injury history and stats. and It's all the stuff that I kind of like about sports, all encompassed. And then you get, like, these lists of players, which is, you know, people who love stats. You mentioned it's really interesting. I think a lot of it's due to for COVID college season, having a little less contact with the NFL, a little bit of a barrier there just naturally with with scouting and the way that they're recruiting college athletes. Uh, I, I think that that kind of puts a little bit of an unknown on the draft in probably a good way because there's always so much unknown going into these drafts. For me, it kind of makes a lot of sense to have a little bit more unknown, go with what you feel, go with the guys that have the right interviews, and I think that you might see a higher success rate or even at least equal in, in one of the most unknown drafts of the last decade. It's so funny because it is one of the most unknown drafts of the last decade, but the guy that's likely going to be the number one pick, I think almost a surefire guarantee. I would actually love to see what the Vegas odds are because Trevor Lawrence from Clemson I think is absolutely the number one pick. I'm sure he's probably already bought a house in Jacksonville. But he's touted as the top quarterback prospect to come out of college since Andrew Luck. Do you buy the hype? Yeah, I do. And the odds are about uh, minus 10,000. So um, it, it's, it's a shoe-in. It's a guarantee. I do buy the hype. Uh, I think that he has a, a few more holes in his game than Andrew Luck. And I don't necessarily think it's holes. I just don't think that he's playing, he plays at quite the same level as Andrew Luck as far as his, his motivation and his leadership style. A little bit more of a reserved guy where Andrew Luck is such a commander or general on the field. Um, I do think that's his comp, though. I do think that is the, the best translation to his NFL skill set is an Andrew Luck. So I do buy the hype. I, I think he's one of the more talented prospects, as you mentioned. All the scouts have said that, but I've seen him play enough to know that passing the eye test with all the physical traits, his 6'6", 215, 220-pound frame, his, his, his skill set translates and looks like that. It's, his skill set is as big as his height and his, and, and his athletic ability are. So I, I do buy the hype. I think Trevor Lawrence is a shoe-in and, and a slam dunk. Stoked to take him one over one if you're the Jags. He'll probably be a, a franchise-changing pick. Brooks Nuana is joining us on the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, talking all things NFL draft here on Nuanez now. Number two, Zach Wilson. I'm skeptical of this one. I think he looks like a great athlete, and he obviously has an, an awesome arm. The New York Jets uh, have been bold enough to trade away Sam Darnold, and that experiment has been thus ended with sort of lackluster fashion. I think Sam Darnold still has a lot of football ahead of him and could be a good quarterback in the NFL. But that said, Robert Saleh, the new head coach for the New York Jets, he wants to make a splash. He wants to have a fresh start with a new quarterback. So what do you think of the rise of Zach Wilson from BYU to be sort of the shoe-in number two pick? It makes sense to me as far as uh, 
when you look at the recruiting cycle, you know, we all, I think a lot of people think that as, as, as a guy goes through his junior season, every game he plays, he moves up a draft board. It's not really how it works. When, when a guy uh, declares the NFL draft, then his scouting process really begins. Of course there's tape. Of course there's regional scouts that are, that are, writing, that are watching game tape, going to games, and writing reports. But as an organization, it takes until the player is ready to be fully developed and scouted that they really dive into it. So Zach Wilson, as he's going through his season, is climbing draft boards per se, but most guys go and do the final evaluation. It takes about three weeks to a full player evaluation, then go to a workout, then do an interview, and within that three weeks, you have your entire draft bottle of what that player looks like within your scheme and your system and, and, and in your building. Zach Wilson... You can call it a meteoric rise, but I think that so much of it was getting actual top-level executives to, to see him in person and see the arm talent. Um, I think that if you, any scout you read, any scout you talk to, is it's the off-angle throws. It is the Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers skill set. Of course, nowhere near that development, but it's the off-angle throws. It's the baseball player style of arm angle. that You can throw with your feet shuffled. You can throw going left, throw going right, throw going backwards can create torque and power with just your upper your upper body and your arm. That was what kind of defines NFL arm talent, and that's where Zach Wilson falls. Is probably the, one of the better arm talents that we've seen in the last five or six years. Um, hasn't played a ton of football, but also hasn't won a ton of football. You know, they, they, they play an okay schedule in the Mountain West, but as far as you look at some quarterbacks in the past, I know that a guy like Patrick Mahomes went 4-8 and eight as, as his last year in college. A guy like John Elway went 4-8 and eight his last year in college. You know, it, winning isn't everything. It doesn't always translate to the NFL. You know, we, we talk about the best winners in college football. A lot of those guys don't always translate to be winners in the NFL. Uh, so it's a little bit more of the, of the true physical skill set that, that Zach Wilson has that really launched him to that second tier or that second quarterback. I don't know if I agree with that, as you said, uh, but I do think he's a top-level talent. I'll definitely go in the top five, and I think he's a shoo-in at number two. NFL Draft Talk here on Nuanez now. Doubling up the Nuanez, Brooks Nuanez, on the Rangish Brothers phone line, RV phone line, talking NFL draft with us. And then we get to pick number three, and that's that's when it gets interesting. There's all sorts of scuttle out there. Yesterday, Ian Rappaport was reporting that Trey Lance and Mac Jones are the two finalists, basically, to be the Niners pick, the San Francisco 49ers pick at number three. But Justin Fields remains in the mix. There's other people that are reporting that Fields could be the surprise guy there. But then if Fields falls, what does that do to the rest of the first round? Because you could have uh, teams that are trying to trade up, whether it be the New England Patriots or or, um, maybe the Dallas Cowboys or maybe the um, Minnesota Vikings, you know, maybe the Chicago Bears, the Denver Broncos. There's all sorts of teams that maybe need a quarterback or maybe not. So what do you think of just the scenario of how the dominoes might fall at number three? And do you believe any of the leaks that are out there, or is this just all a smokescreen and it remains up in the air for the Niners? As you mentioned, this is where the NFL draft starts. You know, I think one and two are shoe-ins, and I think that this is where it begins. And everything that happens at number three will make the next hour of the NFL draft just amazingly entertaining because it will change no matter who it is, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance, no matter who, I think it'll create an absolute reverberate a wave of energy throughout that first round and there's going to be trades and there's going to be both, uh, teams that, that go to, and try to get a, a quarterback and I think the Patriots would, would be the, the number one option there as far as if Fields slides I know that they're very interested in Justin Fields uh, by all reports I think for the beginning when I looked at Mac Jones Justin Fields and Trey Lance I thought Trey Lance had the highest ceiling 
I was kind of at the beginning of the process of uh, we look at all these of these different prospects. I thought Trey Lance is his youth, his physical skill set, uh, you know, just how he marched through the FCS and, and was so dominant as a freshman. Only played the one game last year. I think that Trey Lance has the highest ceiling. I think Justin Fields has the best uh, translatable now today's skill set. I think that Mac Jones had a little bit of a meteoric rise as well as far as a guy that Kyle Shanahan looks at as a system quarterback. So other NFL teams might not value his skill set quite as much as a guy like Kyle Shanahan does. But when you see a guy that can run a similar system that that Shanahan does, you see why he'd have interest in Mac Jones. Right now, if I was a betting man, I still think it's Mac Jones. Uh, it's not the pick I would make, um, but I, I do think that Mac Jones probably slides in there at number three. And then everything, I think Trey Lance at that point could slide a little bit, and uh, Justin Fields might go next, and then someone kind of looks to steal Trey Lance in the, at the very end of that top ten there. I find it fascinating that the quarterbacks have overshadowed what largely seems like a pretty good draft otherwise as well. I mean, I think that Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, is one of the most surefire skill guys we've seen coming out of uh, college in the last couple of years. He seems like the perfect hybrid tight end type guy. Pinelli Sewell from uh, Oregon, I saw him live and in person. So impressed with him. I thought his physical maturity, well, and I saw him two years ago, was unbelievable. I mean, I think that he's a guy that's a surefire starter and even a border, borderline potential pro bowler right out the gates. And then you have a whole bunch of other uh, intriguing guys, whether it's Devontae Smith from Alabama, the Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver, or Jalen Waddle, who's also from Alabama, and on down the line. So what do you think of just the, the talent in the rest of this draft, particularly that uh, guys that could go in the top half of this first round that aren't quarterbacks? I think there's a lot of talent there. I think the two Alabama receivers are super interesting. Um, like you mentioned, J- Jalen Waddell is, is, a, is a really fascinating player. He, he's Really what the NFL, splash players in the NFL have been that size, that 5'10", 185. Um, they're true slot guys. They're, they're really fast and, and really interesting. He kind of, to me, he's not as dynamic in the backfield. He's kind of that Percy Harvin comp, um, a guy who can get the ball near the line of scrimmage and make moves. But I think it's so interesting with, with Devontae Smith that Devontae Smith is so undersized at 6'1", 170. But Jalen Waddell at 5'10", 185, being a little bit more compact, is just naturally not undersized in the NFL's eyes. Those kind of things are always funny to me. To me, they're both undersized. To me, they're both really good players. Um, so, And Kyle Pitts, as you mentioned, is, is, is a generational tight end, and we've seen consistently how dominant the tight end, a dominant tight end can, can lead to Super Bowl appearances and Super Bowl championships. And you can look at Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski, and some of the better tight ends in the league right now are on some of the better offenses in the league. Uh, Mark Andrews in Baltimore, and Darren Waller in um, in Oakland, or now in Las Vegas. That Darren Waller comp is kind of what I see for Kyle Pitts, uh, more of a receiver-type body, uh, 6'6", 245, can move, but can, can line up on the outside and really become a mismatch problem. I think he's someone's going to get a, a, a huge, you know, a gold mine with him at, at five, six, seven. I think the Bengals probably lean on on um, on the Oregon tackle. They they got to sh- uh, sure up that offensive line. But after that, then you look at Jamar Chase too, uh, the LSU receiver, who I think is the best receiver in this draft. Um, he'll go real high too. And if he falls right there at six to the Dolphins, the Dolphins are in a really interesting place with everyone buying for quarterback, and they position themselves for that. So right now, the Dolphins are going to look at getting either Pitts or Jamar Chase both offensive pieces that will really help to it uh, in his second year of development. So I think the Dolphins are in one of the best places in the first round. Uh, but I really like the corners that are up top, too. 
Patrick Sertan Jr. from Alabama is a fantastic player, and J.C. Horn from uh, from South Carolina. Both their dads, Joe Horn and Patrick Sertan, respectively, uh, played in the NFL, which is you know always interesting and always a you know a little feather in the cap for a lot of guys who are getting scouted in the and the projection of the NFL lifestyle. It always helps when you know pops play in the NFL. So I like those two corners too. I think that first round right there, in that top ten, there's a lot of good players. I don't think you could almost can't go wrong in that top ten. Brooks Nuanas joining us here on Nuanas Now, talking all things NFL draft. Let's talk about a couple of teams that people around here are definitely interested in. we got a lot of Broncos fans in this region. we also got a lot of people that follow the Patriots. Not necessarily Patriots fans, but a lot of Patriots haters, <laughs> but also some fans as well. I know our good buddy Tegger Sargent, who joined us earlier on in this show. He's a New England guy. He loves the Patriots as well. But those two teams seem like they have some good pieces in place but they just need that next piece. Uh, do you think that, that the Broncos, if somebody is available at number 9, need to take a quarterback? And how hungry do you think the Patriots are to take a quarterback with Cam Newton only on a one-year contract? Could the Patriots be a team that are maybe trying to move up and snag you know, a Mac Jones or a Trey Lance, whoever is kind of the leftover guy uh, after the initial quarterback frenzy completes? I think absolutely. I think both those teams, I think, one of those teams will beat the other for a quarterback. I think that both of them will go after quarterback in the top ten. They'll 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 uh, trade up in any way they can to get a quarterback there. Um, I, I think that Denver has a pretty darn good roster, and they put together some wins with a pretty bad quarterback play last year, as well as some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Relatively good defensively, a good young receiving core. Um, a couple, the backfield has changed a little bit with the running back situation, but overall, we all know that quarterback is what wins in the NFL. At least drives it, and Drew Locke. As far as what they've looked at, John Elway has had a hard time evaluating and, uh, quarterbacks and bringing in the right guy for the Broncos. I personally think as John Elway changes roles in that organization, there's going to be someone who goes and gets a different quarterback, per se, their quarterback. And I think that the Broncos are, are definitely going to be hunting for that. One other team that I'm intrigued by, obviously, because it's the only team really left in sports that I have uh, fandom for, that's the Minnesota Vikings, and they are at the 14th pick. And you have to just wonder what Minnesota's thinking with that pick because there could be some pretty talented offensive linemen left on the board. That would be a good thing for the Vikings. Uh, There could be maybe one of those Alabama receivers falls to 14. It's not out of the question that Jalen Waddell maybe falls to 14. Who knows? But then there also might be this opportunity where uh, either Mac Jones or Justin Fields or Trey Lance, one of those three that's kind of the outside the top two guys there, fall that far. I don't think that there'll be any more than uh, a couple, uh, any more than maybe one. But I wonder if the Vikings then try to make a move as well because Trey Lance is from Minneapolis. I think that would be a great story and a great fit. But as we know, the Vikings have had a pretty stolid front office in terms of their decision-making, except for when it comes to quarterbacks in recent years. Reed, Kurt Cousins. So the Vikings, I don't know. I wonder if they make a move. I wish they would make a move, but I just don't know if they will. I think they might just stand pat and let whoever falls and just draft for quality the best player available on the board. Yeah, I think if they have the option of getting any of the next handful of tackles, uh, that that's the route that they should go. You know, Arguably, the best running back in the NFL, Dalvin Cook, is on that roster, and they are going to want to run early and often. And I think that that is, with the style of quarterback play of Kirk Cousins, you have to go that route. Kirk Cousins can win you games. I know that you've never been a big fan. Um, and I think the stats kind of bear that out as well as the eye test is at times brutal. Uh, but, but Dalvin Cook, man... He's a re- he can really go. 
Uh, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern is, is definitely the second best tackle prospect in this draft. Um, arguably the best. He can play inside as well. Um, so you can move him around, especially early in his career. He's got the size, the strength. He's got it all. He's a surefire prospect. And I think that the reason the Vikings have had this relatively win-now mentality is they've had a strong roster. And I think that in the draft, when you're talking about 50-50 at almost every single pick as far as success rate goes, I think tackle and offensive line in general is up above 65% hit. So you're talking about a more surefire pick if you lean on the offensive line. Uh, Christian Derisoff from Virginia Tech is also a good player. And there's there's three or four more tackles that will likely go in the first round um, that the Vikings may be able just to sit and, and, and field one of those as they come. So I don't know if they're really quarterback hungry, especially in a draft that has some edge pieces that, that the Vikings don't really need. So I think they kind of lean more on that offensive line, in my opinion. Then we get down to the maybe the, the bottom third of this draft. And th- this is where I just find it so fascinating that the rich seem to always get richer because we have these defined player uh, and position values. In other words, you know, if you have the number nine pick, you got to take the best quarterback or the best tackle or the best corner available. You know, every once in a while, uh, a transcendent tell, like a Kyle Pitts at a tight end or whatever, will sneak in there. You know, but the edge guys, both on the perimeter and on the lines, and the guys that are calling the plays are the ones that almost always dominate the first half of the first round. And so then we're going to reach this scenario where I think a guy like Najee Harris from Alabama is a, a, a day one starter. He's probably not going to go until the second half of the first round. He might go to a pretty darn good team. Right now, a couple of mock drafts I've seen have the Washington football team with the 19th pick getting Micah Parsons out of Penn State. Well, I know that Parsons is a polarizing guy because, on one hand, he's 6'4", 250, and he runs a 4'3", but he also didn't have a sack last year. So where are we at with the production and versus the athleticism? But then you get maybe into the bottom part of the draft, and you got the Ravens with a couple... Picks and they could, you know, they could end up with a guy like Alex Leatherwood, for example, the All American offensive tackle out of Alabama. Uh, you know, Jalen Phillips, the great edge rusher from Miami, he's a guy that might be in the mix for, you know, either the Jaguars late, they have a second first round pick at 25, or maybe the Ravens themselves or the Packers. So I just find this part of the draft fascinating because a lot of times you have guys that are the single best players at their positions, but they're not positions that are quote unquote sexy or quote unquote of value for the top half of the draft. And I think this is how a lot of times these organizations, like the Ravens, continue to just be good, always get better, uh, even when they don't have those uh, top-half lottery, quote-unquote, style picks. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, Najee Harris, running, running back from Alabama, is a really interesting one. And I've seen some good mocks that have him, the Steelers targeting him in, in, in trade-ups as well as, as fielding him kind of late. I think they have in the 26th or 27th pick. Um, so one of those contenders getting better, teams that have full rosters that are adding pieces that they need at positions that are important, as you mentioned, the rich get richer in that way. Um, some of the, the edge guys, it's a really interesting edge draft because there's so much physical talent. But there's not a ton of production. Um, I love Jalen Phillips from Miami. If you haven't read his story, you know I won't. I'll keep it brief here. But this guy started at UCLA and ended up quitting football after a slew of injuries. You know, one of the best. I think he was the number one recruit in the country. Um, broke his ankle, broke his wrist. He was out of football. He quit football and got a regular job and was out. And then battled his way back. Went to the University of Miami. Some of the most impressive on the field workout numbers you will see. Um, he's all of six five, two fifty. Uh, you know, runs in the mid four fours, uh, 
40-inch vertical, a true explosive athlete that I think will get taken higher uh, than maybe what he's projected at that mid to late background. I think he could jump up and and maybe even jump both Penn State kids, um, Jason Owens and Micah Parsons, as you mentioned, both freak athletes, but the production is a little different. And that's one thing in the NFL we talk about. Offensive line translating well, the hit rate, the success rate of the draft pick translating better than a lot of positions. Well, the success rate of edge rushers in the draft really does have a lot to do with college production. There's not a ton of guys that had no sacks in college that just go on to be double-digit sack guys in the NFL. So that'll be interesting to see. I think that there is some talent on the edge, but it's a little bit different, whereas usually there's two or three guys going in the top ten. And this year, I don't think we'll see one. Maybe the, maybe the, the inside guy from, from Alabama, his name is slipping me right now. But, of course, we'll see a 6'5", 325-pound guy from Alabama go on the inside. He can go in the top ten. Otherwise, I think it very likely uh, it's gonna, uh, all those edge guys are going to go to the middle of the, uh, to the end of the first round. Brooks Nuanez, best in the biz, analyzing the NFL draft, which we will have here on ESPN Radio in Missoula. Brooks, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy yourself tonight. It's going to be a fun evening watching the NFL draft, and uh, thanks so much for your insight. Absolutely, man. I love the draft. It's such a great time of year, so I hope everyone gets to enjoy it. Back after this on Nuanas Now. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy draft day, too. Couple minutes. Kyle Sam will be sitting in the chair with me, but that's in the second hour. We got to get done with the first hour first. I see this guy. He's walking in. He's wearing his Niners Bregalia. This guy's Niners jersey, his Niners hat. What's subjective journalism? But when it comes to the NFL, you know, I don't know. You let it ride. If you're in Montana, it's the one night when you can let your colors fly. It is the NFL draft. We'll go back to Nuanas now. We will be engaging in full NFL draft coverage. Uh, here on Nuanas Now, as we already have for the entire first hour of the show, basically. But also for the second hour. National draft coverage starts here on ESPN Radio here at the top of the hour. But we will continue here on Nuanas Now for an hour, and then we will cut into the national draft coverage. So we'll have you there uh, live and in person for the number one pick when it hits at 6 p.m. local time, Mountain Standard Time. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, Tucker Sargent, University of Montana lacrosse team, joined us. He's the head coach. Uh, they go to Nationals next week, one of only four teams from the MCLA into the National Tournament. So they're already in the semifinals, true contenders for a national title. So very cool for UM Lacrosse. We also talked Aaron Rodgers potentially getting traded. New England Patriots, what they might do. Also for Brooks Nuanas, all things NFL draft, particularly some, someone outside the quarterback uh, room because that's gotten so much hype so far here today. And one thing that I did want to mention, University of Montana women's soccer team, they played in the NCAA Tournament. Uh, in Wilson, North Carolina, yesterday, they lost one nothing to South Carolina. 
valiant effort, a career-high nine saves from Claire Howard, the Big Sky Conference Goalie of the Year and one of the best goalkeepers, not only in the history of this school, but also just in the country period to this point. Hour one of the books, hour two coming at you, Hot Kyle Sample, the chick who doesn't know sports, all things NFL draft. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 